Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that we have sensed your presence here today. We thank you that in the gathering together of your saints, that there is a cohesiveness and a camaraderie that we understand and experience. We also understand that 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 camaraderie and cohesiveness is intended for us to collectively worship and honor your name. Lord God, we come to that time of our gathering when we open up your scriptures. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal to us out of the scriptures what it is you want us to see. And I pray for hope and grace and mercy to be upon each one of us. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give me the words to say this morning, the the anointed words that you would have me say. I pray above all that you'd fill my mouth with your words and that your Holy Spirit would speak louder than I do today. And I pray in your name. Amen. The eternal nature of tribulation. I was thinking when Rob and, and Joy were introducing the series, well, if you want one that's going to fit into the cross, if you want one that's not a popular message and you can't fill up churches with this message, the day's the day. The eternal nature of tribulation. And I'm not talking about end times. I'm not talking about revelation. Uh, I was listening to the Public Square broadcast recently, which I do often. Some of you, some others in the room do. And, and Dave Zanotti made a statement just in the middle of what they were talking about. And he said, this country for the last year has been under pressure. And he said, the whole country has been under pressure for the, for the last year. And I thought, man, alive. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, and we have seen, you have seen, and I have seen people respond in ways they never would have responded before to, to situations. And you wonder, why are people acting that way? Well, no matter what, I mean, my wife and I, you know, we're crazy. We didn't change our lifestyle. Some people did, and I'm good either way. We did whatever we wanted to do, when we wanted to do, and we went wherever we wanted to go. But some people didn't and couldn't, and I understand that. But no matter what part of that spectrum you're in, there was pressure for the last year. It's a different world, just a different society. Everything's different. And I thought, my goodness, under pressure. And so I wanted to talk today about this, this, this pressure called tribulation. Now, probably the biggest banner we can put this message under is this one, Life Happens. Now, I know there's a bumper sticker that says something else, but we're leaving that one alone. Life happens. And the, the, from the moment that Adam and Eve sinned and thorns came into the garden or came into the world, from that moment, we've had to deal with a fallen world inhabited by fallen people doing fallen things, including us. Because of that, life happens and there are things we face. A message that is minus tribulation and suffering is one that is less than the truth. And as it has been alluded to earlier, 
We live in a day when it is so easy to water down the message. It is so easy to avoid the, the exactness and sometimes the straightforwardness of the scripture. It's so easy to try to make everybody feel good. And I hope you feel good today. My, my intention is not to make you feel bad, but to understand what we live through. But a message that doesn't touch on tribulation and suffering is not a gospel message. It's something else. The Spirit-filled Life Bible in the, the Kingdom Dynamics said Paul not only taught the joy and peace of the kingdom of God, its power and its authority to cause the believer to triumph over evil, and it does teach all of those things. He also taught that kingdom people experience trial, suffering, and not always an instant victory. Not always an instant victory. I hasten to add, this doesn't create a gloom and doom Christian life. But opportunity to rise above challenging circumstances. This is not an invitation for us to walk around uh, looking like we've lost our last friend. Uh, or to, as somebody used to say, could eat spaghetti out of a one-inch vase. Our faces are so long. But it's to understand that regardless of the circumstances we face, and, and they're varied, we have the power and the strength from God to live through these things in victory and yet recognize their validity in our life. I'm just going to read five verses from Romans. If you want to turn to Romans 5, assuming you haven't already. And uh, I'll ask you to stand while we read these. And I'm changing up a little bit today. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, and it says, therefore, by the way, in, in another time, Derek Prince used to say, when you see a therefore, find out what it's there for. So go back and find out what it's there for. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom... Also, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And here comes the fun part. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. The ESV says we rejoice in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You can be seated. We like the part about the love of God being poured out in our hearts. We like the part about being justified by faith. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But we cock our head a little bit when we read that we rejoice in our sufferings. Again, I'm not trying to introduce us into a masochistic lifestyle. But I want us to understand that life happens and God has provided a way for us to get through all of this. God did not promise life without struggle. When people preach that, when people tell young people, man, you come to Christ, everything's going to be great. Well, it is going to be great because now you have peace and joy, but you're still going to have issues. You're still going to have challenges. 
You are going to, life is going to be like a bed of roses, thorns and all. Victory only comes through the battle. And triumph only follows a trial. You'll never experience victory and you'll never experience triumph unless you face life's challenges in the way that God has prescribed. But I also want to again emphasize neither should we be defeated by negative circumstances because we are, quote, predestined for them. Well, this way it's got to be. Uh, so I'm going to just hang my head and I'm going to lay down and I'm going to forget about it because I'm predestined to have these, these circumstances. That's not the attitude either. And I hope by the time we're done, you can see both. Or you can see what we're talking about. Well, here's a great promise. We used to sing a song in the Baptist church, standing on the promises of Christ my King. Jesus promised tribulation. I don't think we were singing about that. He said, in the world, are you in the world? You will have tribulation. That's a promise or a threat, whichever. (laughs) But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And he didn't say he's going to remove us from the tribulation. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome. And because he has overcome, we overcome. There will be tribulation. Paul echoes the words of Jesus when he writes to Timothy. In fact, all, everybody say all. We, we found that we were reminded last week, remember, that we did a Greek word study on the word all, and it meant all. In fact, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, everybody say will be. Persecuted. I didn't write that. The Holy Spirit directed the Apostle Paul to write that. You know why? Because it's true. Everything in this book is true, by the way. And so he's echoing the words of Jesus when he said, I promise you some tribulation. I promise you it's going to be tough. I'm reminded of when Jesus told Peter, and I think Doug and I were talking, if Doug's here, Doug and I were talking about it this week, but Jesus says to Peter, uh, hey, um, Satan paid me a visit, which is interesting to me on another topic, but Satan paid me a visit, and what he wanted to talk about was you. He wants to sift you like wheat. And you ever, you ever seen a sifter? He wants to sift you like wheat. And we've all, you know, we've talked before, all of us have. About the fact that you know that Peter, you would have done the same thing. Immediately, Peter was waiting for the next sentence to be, but I told him he could. But that's not what he heard. Satan has come and he's asked for, asked for permission. By the way, he has to have permission. To sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Wait a minute. What, where's the rest of that? Uh, you're not going to get me out of I mean, what? I have prayed for you. And when you come through this, indicating he knew he could and would, when you come through this and you deal with your tribulation and you come out on the other side, 
Strengthen your brothers. Bring somebody else along. A.W. Tozer is famous for saying, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man or a woman greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Now that won't fly in some of the stuff you saw on the screen a while ago with some of those folks. What in the world is he, why is he going to hurt me? He's going to hurt you because he's hurting your flesh. He's, he's going to deal with you in such a way. I mean, think about Jacob who's walking normal one day and the next day he's got a limp because he encountered God. And I'd rather have a proverbial spiritual limp and be able to follow and embrace God with everything I have than to walk normal and be consumed with myself. In the midst of tribulation, in the midst of your tribulation, there is peace available that we cannot comprehend. I love that scripture. Peace that we cannot understand. Peace that we can't even process. How do I have peace in this time? It's because it's the peace that comes. Jesus said, my peace I give you. That's why. It's his peace. It's not the lack of this or the lack of that. It's not the absence of conflict. It's the peace that comes from the very person of Jesus Christ to you and to me. And we can't understand it. We can't explain it. But in the midst of our storm, we find that peace. What exactly is tribulation? What would we call tribulation? Well, by definition, and using the word in the text, by definition, it would mean pressure. Back to my quote from Dave Zanotti, we've been under pressure for a whole year. Adversity, affliction, crushing, squeezing, and you could just sum all that up by saying that this, this word is ad, any kind of adverse circumstances. That make us uncomfortable. Wherever, wherever it comes from, the word is thalipsis, if you care. And it's describing the stacking or the placing your hand on a stack of items and compressing them. Imagine I started trying to get some paper up here, but I figured the way y'all breathe, you'd blow them away. But anyway, come on now, lighten up. It's taking a stack of papers or anything and compressing, just taking your hand and compressing those down. And when God does that in your life, when he takes your life and compresses you, he squeezes out what doesn't belong. It's not there anymore. It's putting pressure on that which is free and unfettered and bringing it under discipline. That's, that's, Philipsis, that's, that's tribulation, that's pressure. It, it's used often in the, in the crushing of grapes or olives in a press to create grape juice, wine, olive oil, and so forth, to, to squeeze that. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand because everybody in here can raise their hand, but 
How many of you have felt in the last year, year and a half, the last day, <laughs> squeezed? See, we've all, we've all experienced squeezing. We've all experienced circumstances that are adverse. And a lot of times we want to rebuke the devil, and sometimes it may, he may be the tool that God uses. We'll get to that in a moment. But the squeezing is producing good in us. I want to hurry and add that this tribulation and this pressure is not demonic bondage. That's not what we're talking about. So what is the source? What is the source of this pressure? What is the source of these adverse circumstances? Well, Paul said to God, he prayed to God, he said, man, help me. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 12. And the Bible says that God, listen, listen to this, God had sent to Paul a messenger of Satan. Remember the permission thing a while ago? Remember, remember Satan standing before Job? I mean, before God about Job? Hey, if you, if you let me, I'd go down there and fix him. Indicating he couldn't until God let him. That's why I always say that what, no matter what happens to us, no matter what happens to us, it goes through the fingers of God. He may not be the author of it, but it goes through his fingers. And Satan said, I, you, you just let me get at him and I'll, and we have a whole book of the account. And of course the book ends with Joseph in victory, Job in victory, and God giving him double what he lost. So I think one of the th- things that you could say as far as the source of adverse circumstances sometimes is God allows our enemy to adjust things and circumstances and situations and to buffet us that old King James talks about there that he was buffeted. And literally the wording there is in the, in the text, the wording there means to constantly jab. If you ever had, we had four boys and I think Adam was the worst, but when he wants something, he, He'd come up to you and, dad, 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 you know, and of course you learn to ignore him. And now that we're grandparents, we, we can't ignore it. First jab, why? And that's the actual definition, actual description, imagery, let's say it that way, of that wording that the enemy, the messenger of Satan is just jabbing Paul. In what way? I don't know. Some people think it's this eyesight. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even care. I just know that there's something going on in his life. And God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. He didn't tell him he was going to deliver him from the messenger of Satan. Now, Satan didn't have influence on him. Let's hasten to stick. Again, we're not talking about demonic bondage. But he didn't deliver him from the messenger of Satan. He just said to him, my grace will get you through this. And whatever you're facing, whatever you might face, what you, whatever you have already faced, God has, will, and again, get you through by his grace. Sometimes he'll deliver you, but a lot of the times he will not. 
from the circumstances, from the situation, from the squeezing. In our culture today, many times the adversity that we face or adverse circumstances that we encounter are due to our speaking or being contrary to the prevailing culture. I mean, you, you can't even, if you can't even say that you love God. You can't even say, I mean, if you're a high school valedictorian in a school in Michigan, you can't even put the line, or you can, but they didn't think you could. You can't put the line in your valedictorian speech that I honor my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the school says, no, you can't do that. Thank God, wiser heads prevailed. And the school system said, yes, they can. They got free speech. Thank God, today we still have free speech. But when you're contrary to the prevailing culture, you invite adversity and adverse circumstances into your life. Let me just say this right here. Please don't go looking for it. <laughs> what, did, what, what did Jesus say? That every day has enough trouble of its own. You don't need to in, invent any. You don't need to try to be confrontational for the sake of being confrontational. You don't need to try to draw attention for the sake of drawing attention. You know, you know where you do that. It starts with an F and ends with a K. And that's Facebook, in case anybody's mind's in the gutter. <laughs> there went my anointing. But you know what happens. That's, it's just, you can't, you can't cross the culture today. But be who you are. Maintain your own kingdom culture. Don't give up your kingdom culture. Don't compromise. Don't confront needlessly, but don't compromise of who you are. What does, what does tribulation produce in our lives? Like the old song says, war, what is it good for? I know some of y'all are too young to know that song, but anyway, I, I was in junior high when it came out. What does it produce? Well, we're really, it, Paul tells us in Romans 5, perseverance or endurance. Verse, verse three says, I said verse five, we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation or suffering or pressure produces perseverance or endurance. It's interchangeable there. The more you, the more stuff you go through, the more pressure you experience, the more able you are the next time. You say, well, I don't want them to be a next time. I'm sorry, you're still breathing. And as long as you're breathing, life will still happen. But you gain this, this uh, spiritual stamina to endure whatever's in front of you. Endurance, which, of course, he goes on to say, endurance or perseverance produces in us character. Can I say to you that you cannot build character without facing difficulty? People say, well, what's happening? What have you been going through? Well, I've been building my character lately. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I'm developing a testimony. <laughs> 
But as you experience, and I experience that pressure and that squeezing, God's building our character. Now, let me just say this too. When God squeezes you and, and tests you, he's not doing that so he can find out what you're made of. I've heard people say that. He already knows what you're made of. He made you. When God said to Adam and Eve, where are you in the garden? He was not trying to find them. He wasn't interested in knowing where they were because he already knew where they were. He was interested in them knowing where they were. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. James, the brother of our Lord, in his letter said it this way, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The more test, the more testing we go through. I hate doing a message like this. You know what's coming next. If you hear about me going off somewhere, you know what happened. But the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. And when you look at that trailer for that video earlier, you see people who are not steadfast or haven't been steadfast in their faith. By the way, one of the, one of the ways to avoid that kind of deception. Well, there's several ways. I can't spend a lot of time, but A, be under authority. Be under somebody's authority, whether it's a person or a group of persons. B, be a part of a spiritual community, an active part of a spiritual community. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. Now, if you're too young to understand the lone ranger, just, Lord help us. Testing carries with it the idea of proving genuineness to us. That as we come out on the other side, as Job did, we, we discover something that we do have that fortitude. We do have that grace. We do have that ability through God's grace to come out on the other side of this squeezing. Patience is not a passive resignation to adverse circumstances, but a positive steadfastness that bravely endures. We're not interested in being defeated. We're not interested in succumbing to the circumstances, but we're interested in moving through and more importantly over the circumstances. And what... Another thing it produces is that we're not deviated from a deliberate purpose and loyalty to Christ. Deliberate. Another thing that we see, and I'm just going to read the verses in 2 Corinthians 4. It will be on the screen. Is inward renewal. Paul writes to the church of Corinth. He said, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Inward renewal. 
And as we go through life and we go through circumstances and we go through pressure, our flesh is having to give way for our spirit. He goes on to say, for our light affliction. Now, have you read what Paul went through? I mean, he calls it light affliction. I hope I never experienced heavy affliction. Which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Working something in us, in our inward being, our inward man. And while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so when we go through these experiences of life and we come out on the other side, we gain a fresh appreciation for what is eternal. And we understand the temporary nature of everything else. So... Then how are we going to respond to this tribulation? How, going, how do we respond to this pressure? Well, we don't scream and yell and run because that's what we want to do. We respond as more than conquerors. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. I mean, he could have just went on and on and on. Can these things separate us from the love of Christ? And he answers his own question. Yet in all these things, we are, everyone say, more than conquerors. Once again, the imagery there in that phrase, more than conquerors, believe it or not, that's just one word in the Greek. It means to go over your circumstances. More than conquerors. It doesn't mean move them out of the way. It doesn't mean God will eliminate them. But you gain victory over your circumstances, over the pressures that you're dealing with. It doesn't mean that you don't know they're present. It doesn't mean that you don't, you forget that you're going through this thing, but you have so much peace and so much grace and so much power and so much strength that you're go, you're more than a conqueror over all of these things that Paul just listed. And of course, the first one was tribulation, pressure. John writes in his first letter, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. How many of you believe the spirit of the Antichrist is here? He says, you are of God. Let that sink in. You are of God, little children. And you have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So you say, okay, I got all this stuff, this stuff going on in my life, these adverse circumstances. I got think pressures from all sides and things going on around me. What am I supposed to do? Remember that you are of God and you have overcome these things. You are an overcomer and you overcome 
the negative impact of these experiences. You don't, you don't succumb and lay down and, and cry. You don't get in the fetal position and say, God, deliver me. You say, God, give me the strength to get through this. God, give me the strength to get over this. Don't move it out of the way. Get me through it. Well, James says, here's your response. Count it as joy. Consider it, he says. One version says, consider it as joy. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now you say, now, James has gone crazy. James never had anything bad happen in his life. I beg to differ. This is a man who didn't even believe in his brother. Why? While Jesus was walking the earth and ministering on the earth, none of Jesus' brothers believed in him. Jude and James give us letters. But none of them believed in him. Don't you think they went through some stuff? For one thing, they had their brother tell them, uh, tell them, uh, who is my mother, my brother, my sisters? Tell them, these are my brothers and sisters right here in front of me. And these are the same people who came to get Jesus because they thought he was insane. That's what happened. We think he's out of his mind. So we've come to get him. We've come to capture him. We're going to have an, an intervention. Consider it all joy. What does that mean? Does, does that mean you have to fake something? No, but Paul is saying, or James is saying, and Paul says in another place, James is saying, man, let's consider it joy when we suffer for Jesus' sake. Let's consider it an honor. Paul says in one place, I consider it an honor to suffer for the name of Jesus. Knowing, verse 3, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work. So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Makes you want to go out and endure something, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. Don't you know good well it doesn't. But it makes you aware that when you face pressures, circumstances, squeezing, trouble, makes you aware. That as God told Paul, God's grace is sufficient. We view trials and tribulations as a means of moral and spiritual growth. You'll never grow without the difficulty. Going back to something I heard Derek Prince say one time that your muscles, you weightlifters, you understand this, but your muscles never grow without tension. When you go to the gym or you go wherever you do and you lift something or you grab something heavy and you lift it, you're putting tension on your muscles. And the more you do that, the more scared I get of you. Because you now you've got guns hanging from your shoulders. But that's where that comes from. If, if you don't have any tension on your muscles, they never grow. Life is the same way. By, by the way, the Bible says the natural first, then the spiritual. You can learn a lot about the spiritual life by looking at the natural. 
And so our, our growth is connected to the tension that we have in our lives, the pressure. Of course, our response is to the tribulation is to have patience and faith in all of our persecutions and tribulations. Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst, say in the midst, in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. I'd like to say that Paul wrote there that that uh, he would be proud of their perseverance and faith as they got delivered from all of their persecutions and afflictions, but it doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, he goes on the next verse. He says, uh, see, we, bo- we ourselves boast of among the churches of God for your patience and faith and your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. No instant deliverance, no instant relief, but grace and power and strength. And I'll close with this, this, these verses. Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders. And he says to them, it says, After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples. This is not when he's speaking to the elders of Ephesus, by the way. Strengthening the soul. Now, how did he strengthen the souls of the disciples? How did he encourage them? To continue in the faith. Another word for continue is to be steadfast, to be consistent, to be moving forward. But watch the next phrase. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, we find our way working the kingdom of God in us and us working into the kingdom of God. This is not a downer message. I hope you don't hear it as a downer message. This is an encouraging message. This is a hopeful message. This is a victorious message today that life happens and you and I will experience tribulation. We must. Jesus promised it. Paul promised it. But at the end of the day, our response is not to lay down in a fetal position, but our response is to keep moving in the power, the strength, and the grace of God, and let God do the work. Let let tribulation, let patience do its work in us as we move forward. Why don't we go ahead and bring everybody up, Don, if you don't mind doing that, or you want to just get Sean to do it? Come on up. We're just going to have a, a song of worship. You know, if you want to come forward, you can, but I just wanted to to just end with us collectively just offering a song of worship to God and thanking Him. Yeah, all the everybody but Don can come back up. We, he's on probation. <laughs> Every, just a song of worship, so that you can thank God that you have tribulation in your life, 
and that his grace is sufficient for you. Amen? Let's stand and worship with the worship team this morning.
Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. We worship you. You are worthy of our praise. Help us to go out this week and just be in your presence, Father, and celebrate the fact that our whole being is who we are because of you alone, Christ. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.